so we're gonna we're gonna talk offline. <laughs> that's that's freaking awesome. So you've done the uh, you've done the remote shows and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just never in studio. Well, I appreciate you coming in studio. Um, this is Heather Jess of Mama Squad. My name is Jay. It's a Tragic Academy, a show created to bridge societal divides and judgment-free zone using candor and humor. My name, my name is Jay again. I don't know what I'm thinking today. It's been <laughs> it's a long time. <laughs> Too much coffee. So welcome to the show. How are you? I am doing well. Kids were all hectic this morning, but we made it out. Well, this is what we expect from the mama squad. <laughs> <laughs> so the kids, the kids are off to school today and you're getting ready to go to a podcast. So what does that look like when you're explaining it to your family? Because this is different than a normal day mm-hmm. and it's exciting in a home. Do you include your children in the discussion? Do you let them know what's going on? Oh, 100%. I'm very open with my children through anything and everything. So as we're getting ready, my kids, well, one of my kids runs across country at 6.20 in the morning. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's that's an early riser. Yes, I think we're up at like 5 o'clock every single morning. Oh, wait, wait, where do you run with him? Uh, I ha- I go with all three of my children. They all come with us because they all go to the same school. Um, so they all eat breakfast in the car. Oh, no, I meant running. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's a solid death for me. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard no on the cross-country running. All right. Yes, I'm there to tell her she's awesome. <laughs> You're a great fan. Yeah. Support. I, no, that's that's exactly what it should be, though. Because we don't have to do exactly what we parents our parents do. Thank God I didn't. Well, <laughs> that's for us to find out. Why are you marching to a different, you know, drum? What is it that makes you want to help mothers become better mothers or to help them through the trials and tribulations of raising children that people don't see from the outside? <laughs> because I've been through it. Um, so we'll start with kind of growing up, my my mom was amazing. I don't blame her for anything that ever happened in my childhood. She was a rock star, but the people that she married were not such rock stars. And <laughs> mental abuse on a daily basis, telling me I'm useless, I'm stupid, I'm never going to be anything in my life. And I refused to allow my children to feel that kind of uselessness, essentially, in their life. That makes perfect sense. You're protecting your children from the scars that you are wearing by showing them that you can live with your scars openly. Exactly. Yeah. And I talk to them about it regularly too. Like if they say something to their sibling, like, oh, that was stupid. Why the heck would you do that? I'm like, "Mm, we could have used better terminology there, sweetheart. Like, You don't have to feel like you're attacking them to get level with them. I like that. You don't have to attack somebody to be at their level. Yeah. I would say that that comes with some sort of self-confidence because in order to be at someone's level comfortably, you have to have that confidence within yourself to feel like you deserve to have that conversation. A lot of people use tearing somebody down as a way to get to somebody's level or to get some sort of controlling position. Right. And it took me a long time to be able to talk to my kids about it and get them to understand, okay, this is why we don't talk to each other or others in that manner. They know that I was put down for a large portion of Let's see, I moved here in third grade until about the end of my sophomore year. That's all I dealt with. So they understand, coming from my point of view, how bad that sucks. And I even explained it to them, like, what if someone said that to you? How would that make you feel? So they're able to kind of level down to, you know, a 12-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old, their understanding of it. 
So you're giving them examples on their level to show them what the implications are of that kind of talk between each other or self-talk that it can become something to give them a way to empathize with others, explaining it to them that way. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And of course, it's going to sometimes it's a higher level understanding because what seven-year-old understands? Let me stop and think before I tell you you're an asshole. I'm 45 and I'm still fucking it up on a daily basis. That's like, that's how I roll. I just use comedy as my way to make amends for whatever I've done. I think you said that earlier, you know, when you were talking about your husband, you had said that, um, you know, if you're ever mad at him, he just does something funny and then you're you're done. Exactly. Yeah, every that's time. a self-defense mechanism that we have as, uh, as husbands. <laughs> he nails it every time. Um, I mean, I've been with him since we were 17 years old. Well, it's a real part of this story is, is how all of this unfolded and you created Mama Squad. Yes. So we had my daughter at 19. I always say I was 19 and clueless, but let's be real, I'm 32 and still clueless. Everybody should be clueless. Right. If you think you're not clueless, then there's the problem. Exactly. You just, it drives me nuts when people are like, oh, I'm perfect. It's like, sweetheart, you're not perfect. You? Everyone's view of perfection is all about their perception. It has nothing to do with perfect. Well, see, here's, here's my argument. When someone says that they're perfect, I'll agree with them because they are. They're perfectly imperfect. Yes, that's a good point. They really are. They don't realize that their flaws are their attributes at the same time. They match others. We're puzzle pieces. We're still all one. There is a contradictory personality to each and every one of us. There has to be positive and negative. And we meet ourselves throughout our life and we have to make a decision. Is that the person we're going to stay? Are we going to be the person that we're looking at? Or are we going to make the conscious decision to not be that person? That's the truth. And it's a decision you have to make every day. It would be easy for me to fall into going off of my children every time they do something stupid, you know, or to just snap on someone in the middle of a meeting because it's like, okay, this could have been a freaking email. You know, it's, it's things like that where I could easily take, I call it my jersey out of me, but I don't because... Where at in Jersey? Um, I grew up in, well, I was born in Freehold. Okay. My wife is from Teaneck, Paramus area. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I can see, yeah, she's got that Jersey. Well, also, she's an immigrant child with a mother from Italy and a father from Colombia. <laughs> so <laughs> I just mind my P's and Q's. And she's got that stoic Colombian side, mm-hmm. which is extra scary because she's peaceful before the storm. It's like, oh. Yeah. My husband knows when I get quiet, it might get kind of iffy. <laughs> Yeah, then we start doing tricks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we just learned when to communicate properly. Like, yeah, I'm really pissed off at you. I need a minute. I need a minute to like walk away. Well, what does let's let's expand uh, expand on that. What does a mother and father's communication do as it relates to their children? How is that an example for them? Right. So, I, one issue is I'm sarcastic as hell. That is a problem. I've noticed my 12 year old being sarcastic. Oops. But a lot of times when it's something that needs to be addressed, it's addressed in private. Um, mm. As an example, it could be as easy as maybe I think something should be done differently for the kids than what he's thinking so that we have to readdress. Okay, well, what do we want to do together to go? We may not agree completely, but how can we address this as one instead of two separate parties? So you're trying to find a happy medium between the two of you and you're not airing out your disagreements in front of the children in a manner where it looks like there's something to be scared of when we're making decisions versus 
making it behind the scenes and coming to that agreement based on probably, I mean, let's face it, we're culturally different than our spouses. We're different in how we're brought up. We're different. I always use the um, the analogy about Benjamin Franklin's bifocals mm-hmm. and that experiences, life experiences can be equated to each and every one of those lenses. And if you remember, they used to be like on a little switch and you could, you know, flip them back and forth between each eye. I feel like every human has a set of those glasses, but they're all custom. Mm -hmm. And not only are they custom, they have individual lenses for each and every experience that layer upon the other that no two people can look through and see the same. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And you have to have those candid, open discussions with empathy even for your spouse to understand how it is that they're viewing something versus how you're viewing something and how you can pass on or eliminate the genetic and hereditary insanity that's given to children today and try to pass them on a method to empathize, cope, manage problems, move forward. So that's me giving you, you know, some kudos for the hard work and the awareness. Because a lot of people don't realize that the way that we portray ourselves in front of our youth is how they're going to grow up. It is, it's fact. We've seen it a million times, mm-hmm. you know, it had parent back kid, you know, until a certain amount of time has gone by and a certain amount of self-awareness comes in and you go, okay, maybe I should live a different way despite what I was raised as or something along that lines. Right, right. And I think when it comes to us personally is we got married at 20. We had my daughter at 19. I was, I had her on December 2nd and then I was kicked out of my house December The day after Christmas, actually. Ouch. Yeah, but I'm grateful for it because it brought me closer to my husband. And at the time, you know, it's hard when you're 19 and you're just trying to get your footing. Mm. And I was in a home that was able to help me with the baby, which was really nice. So what happened, I probably should have been mad about it. I wasn't mad at my mother. I was mad at her husband at the time, not her. I've never put it on her. Because things happen. Life happens. You have to cope with what's going on. And she was in a situation she had to handle her on her own. You said that you have to cope with it. And I think a lot of people don't realize that they do have to cope with it. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You are going to live in the life that is now. You can either live yourself at a baseline that is negative, or you can accept the fact that this is the reality that you're in now. And it should be as perfect as it was before. You just have experiences to make better decisions from going forward. Oh, 100%. I mean, I don't think I would have been able to be as good as a mom at that time if I was not living with my in-laws and my husband. Um, They were really a huge support through the beginning of it. I mean, who knows what they were doing with their first baby? Nobody. Nobody. I I mean, I imagine. I didn't know what I was doing with my second baby. You know, they're always different anyway. So it's just, that was the situation. I accepted it and they opened their arms for the, my daughter and I, and it was everything we needed in that moment. And somebody knew it ahead of time. I believe that. I think that all things happen for a reason. All things unfold a certain way and that our experiences are neither bad nor good at the end of the day. They're just experiences because it's not like you're, you know, screaming at one of the lenses in your glasses the entire time you're walking around with those things on. That's kind of funny, though. That is the actual way to look at it. Imagine 
you picking a certain lens in your glasses and being just angry at it every single day. Right. It's not going away no matter what. It's the truth. It, it's People have to learn how to realize what their situation is and how to look at it from a different angle. Because if you look at it as this sucks, this is horrible, my life is over, friends, you need to dig out of that hole because you're not going anywhere with it. Mm, but that's a safe space to be. But is it? Because mentally, you're stuck. I say that because as humans, we love to remain a victim. In a victim status, it requires no work. It requires no self-awareness. It requires no intestinal fortitude. And it also allows you to judge others easily and kick the chair out from under them rather than trying to get up on your own. It's super bizarre how that works. We look like we're in pain, but in reality, it's a mask to keep us from having to face what it is that's out there. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, and to further that, like when my husband left for basic training when he was in the military, I was by myself with a two-week-old and a two-year-old. Ouch. With a C-section. And let me tell you, I never knew I was so strong. And I also never knew how bad postpartum depression could be all in one like mix. So that's one of the questions or topics that I wanted to bring up because you speak about that in your blog and mm -hmm. all of the uh, posts that you do on social media. And as a man, I could never begin to understand what that particular depression is. I know what depression looks like to me, and it sucks. I, however, don't necessarily understand the mechanics behind what levers are being pulled that creates depression when it comes to having a child or being a mother in that immediate moments or the time after the child is born where postpartum depression exists. Right. Can you explain that? A little bit, I can. So... I would say the biggest thing definitely is hormones. Like, mm. man, you just push the freaking baby out of you and everything is changing. Your body's changing. All of those hormones that you built up when you were pregnant. For the child. For the child, exactly. Now it's still stuck in your body and you're like, what the? That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And then your brain is just trying to comprehend on very little sleep and this baby attached to you while you're trying to nurse, you know, and then sleep. who needs that, right? Mm. And then in my mix, you take my husband leaving, knowing I wasn't going to hear from him or talk to him. And he was about to miss so much time in our second child's life because he joined the Air Force. And you're stacking this on a negative self-talk and upbringing that gave you little to no confidence in who you were. Exactly. So it took a lot. I mean, there was one day I called a friend bawling my eyes out. Like, I never thought I'd be that parent. Like, if you don't come get these damn kids, I'm going to lose it. But I was that parent and there was no one there who supported me through it. It was more like, I'm going to put the baby down for a minute. I'm going to step outside, living in a neighborhood I shouldn't have lived in because it was a 55 and up community. Oops. Um, but I was living there because it was one of my grandparents' houses and we were just staying there for a little bit. Uh, I, I'm not judging you for living in the 55 and up community when you had no home and you were with your children your, right. and your husband's off at basic training. You know, you really shouldn't be living in that 55 and up community. They really like it quiet there. It's very inconsiderate of you. Right? Well, it's funny because years later, my grandmother moved into the house and the neighborhood people were like, yeah, we knew she lived there. We didn't care. She was quiet into herself. And I'm like, yeah, it's because I was like a hot mess in the house. Like, 
<laughs> it makes you wonder, not wonder, but we often believe we know what other people think about our situation. Mm -hmm. And we don't give humans a chance to be empathetic a lot. I feel like we remove that ability because, again, easier to be a victim. Easier to be a victim than even the moment that somebody offers you help, you're screwed in your victimhood. <laughs> it's over at that point. And if you really want to stay a victim, you have to turn down help. Right. Then you just look like a fucking dumbass. And I looked like a dumbass a lot, let me tell you. Because especially once my husband finally came back, I had to get used to having somebody else. Ooh. Because I did it on my own. Now, his sister, she... I'll get down to this a little further down, but she is the reason behind my blog to begin with. But I'll get into detail about that in a minute. She lived with me, kind of, sort of. She stayed with me a lot. She is much younger than us. Um, like we were in high school and I think she was like my daughter's age, like 12, when him and we, we were seniors. So there was quite an age difference. So she, I've got to watch her really become this amazing woman that she is. Mm -hmm. But again, she was young. Like I'm not going to be like, here, take care of this baby. But she was there to support me through it. She was a saving grace. Like the day that he left, we paid, played Brandy Crush on this iPad for like the entire night while we waited for my husband to call. You know, like that's just how That's like. support that is like no other. Yeah. Um, the trials that we go through build us and our bonds at the same time. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, when we look back at those waypoints throughout life, we either see someone standing with us or not. Um, we need to remember that people see us as their person standing beside them. Yes, exactly. And, you know, it's funny because she hated me when my husband and I were dating because I was the girl taking away her big brother, like hated me. And then when we moved in, she quickly started being the girl who would take my gowns because I did pageants and stuff and she'd be taking selfies with them and stuff. So, ah, okay. So that worked itself out real quick. Yes. I became the, the big sister for her in essential ways, you know, and I was her support and she was mine and it was pretty cool. I was going to say, I bet if you sat down and asked her, she would probably say that she learned just as much and received just as much support from you as vice versa. Oh, 100%. Like when she asked me to be her maid of honor for her wedding, it spoke so high. Like, no, no, I had to help her plan the wedding from Florida and she lives in California. So that Ooh. was a little rough, but we made it work. It was, it was awesome. That, that sounds like getting your wisdom teeth out. Not <laughs> that. <laughs> and that hurts. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was interesting, but it was worth it. At the end of the day, Absolutely. it was worth it. But yeah, so she was there for me a lot during that time frame, And I don't think she ever understood how much until I spoke to her about it. You know, after her wedding and stuff, we're all hanging out in California, way too drunk for anybody's good. But it was just really awesome. You know, we don't tell each other thank you enough for the things that we do for each other throughout our lives. And I'm not saying that, that this should have happened a different way. Mm -hmm. But wouldn't it be cool if we lived in a way with others where we could make sure that that person was aware of their impact at any given time. So it took me a while to actually look at things that way. And I, even if it's at the grocery store and someone helps me, I'm like, listen, I appreciate you. Like, thank you so much for what you're doing. Or if I have to call a freaking 1-800 number because I worked for 
a company mm. where I had to take those calls and they're like, what else can I do for you today? I'm like, uh, you just have an amazing day. And hopefully the other people on the other end of that line are not complete assholes. My, my wife hears me saying stuff like that all the time. Yeah. Um, because you have to be empathetic. Mm-hmm. You really do. And that's not to say that I don't lose my shit when I lose my shit. <laughs> because there's a difference. I want to be nice to everybody until somebody's an asshole and they're a bully. If mm-hmm. I if I smell a bully, it's really hard for me not to make some on-the-spot corrections. hundred <laughs> percent, yes. If I smell a mask, too, that's another problem for me. Um, I believe that to a certain degree, we wear masks throughout life. I talk about it all the time. And if I smell somebody wearing a mask in front of me for our interaction, I either A, have to leave or B, tell them it's on. Right. And my husband hates that about me because I do that. My wife too. I'm like, whoa, no, we don't have time for that. Um, <laughs> but let's let's also face it. If you're working in a corporate world, your personality in the office is going to be 100% different for most people than when they're out and about. I'm not that person. I, but you most know, people are. I used to do that. I mean, honestly, I can be, I can be open about it. You know, mm-hmm. I was in the corporate world for quite a while and I went to work in a suit every stinking day, flew around the world, did all that crap. And the funny thing is, I didn't grow up in that life, like not even close to it. So I had seen both sides of the coin and I knew that there's no way I could have been there without wearing a mask because I didn't know how to be them. Right. There's no way. I I get that. Like I worked for... And uh, one guy, I should say, it was his personal assistant for a bit. And I, I tried to be nice because he was an older gentleman. Gentleman, very, no, I lied. He was an asshole. Um, <laughs> but he was very aggressive. And one day he went off on me because some one of his clients didn't call in time to renew their life insurance. And I'm like, yo, that's not on me. That's on you. Like, you should have told me you needed that. I just started like three months ago. Yeah, it's like... Uh... All it is is setting a little alert to let them know that it's 90 days or 60 Mm -hmm. days or 30 days. What you had there was a frustrated person with technology that didn't know how to set up scheduling and things like that and needed someone to scream at for their inability to manage their own day-to-day business. Right. And when I told him to shut the fuck up and get out of my face, I've never seen an old man sit down so fast in my entire life. Because nobody says that. Nobody says that. And here's the problem. When I do that, I feel like shit 30 minutes later. Like, I'll literally want to take a nap. I'll feel horrible about myself, what I've done, you know, who I've been. I, it's a it's a whole situation. It's another reason why my wife hates when I have to put somebody in their place. Because <laughs> it wrecks me internally. I don't know if that's normal. I don't know if other people feel that way. But I feel like shit after. Right. So I did feel pretty guilty afterwards. But then I was also like, nah. This guy needed it because his other assistant that was before me, he was horrible to her. I mean, worse than he was to worse. me, you know? And it was like, uh-uh. My husband's active duty military. I know we've got a paycheck coming. You want to get in my Ooh, face. That's that's a different dynamic. Yeah. Employers that require their employees to be in almost an indentured servitude type of role in order to run their business, are pieces of shit. Oh, 100%, yeah. It should be looked at as almost like a family. 
-hmm. Because I can't, like, the people that work with me with this show, I can't imagine the show being successful without them being successful. 100%. And that's kind of how I view the way that I'm building my business is for those who are part of my team, they're family. They're not just some person that I am hiring to be with me. That's not how it is. Like, if you're part of my team, I'm putting a lot of faith in you. And now you are part of my family. Like, that's just how it is. And if you don't like the way something's done, speak up. Tell me. Let me fix it. And people know that. People trust that. People open up to that. Mm -hmm. If we're open to the people that we allow into our lives, they'll be open to us. It's a mirror. People know when you're genuine in how you approach people, you will see walls drop. You'll see people's expressions change immediately in the moment when they feel like they're no longer being judged or have to judge to hold their position. People don't talk about that. If you have a complex that says you're not good enough, you're not judging people because you think you're better. You're judging them because you think you're worse and you require that extra leg up in order to be on their level. A hundred percent. That's 100% the imposter syndrome that I have felt so many times. You know, when you're, I'm like, okay, I was just a mom. Like, what business do I have telling other moms like how to do stuff? I'm like, wait, like, okay, yes, but I understand what it's like to be at the rock bottom. I understand what it's like to do it on your own. I understand what it's like to call your mom crying in tears because all you have is kibasi in your fridge and no other protein. Like, I get it. But you know what, though? I think I'd go out on a limb and say that you'd agree with me in that you have found the longer that you've been doing this, the more women that exist with this situation picking up the phone, but not knowing that there are others that they can speak to about their situation. A hundred percent. And that's that's kind of where Mama Squad started. Um, I had made a post on Facebook one day and my sister-in-law called me and she's like, girl, you have a voice. Freaking use it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm just a mom struggling to keep my brain together, you know? Um, and so we started talking. And before I knew it, she helped me build my website. And it just became... Hype your friends. Yeah. That's Gary. Gary's not here today. Um, we're in studio. I think he's coming out here in a couple of weeks. We're doing mm -hmm. a run. Um, but his motto is hype your friends. Yeah. And that sounds like you had a really badass hype man. Oh, yeah. Somebody that told you what you didn't know about yourself or didn't believe in yourself at the time. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And that's why I say she literally helped me start Mom Squad. Like, if it wasn't for her to say, hey, you've got this, it would have never happened. It would have never been something that was on my radar. I was running a private organization as a military spouse um, for about a year and a half. I had no idea what I was doing. My husband was an E3. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, it looked like... Oh, he, had, he had life by the balls at that moment. I got it. <laughs> I've been there. There is nothing more intimidating being an enlisted spouse surrounded by a bunch of officers and generals in a room and you're like, uh, hi? <laughs> Isn't that awful? What did humans do to ourselves? Why does there have to be that kind of stink in a room right. where what you're wearing depicts how people are supposed to think about you or the culturally or other 
fucking systems that design this way that everybody in the room is somewhere in a pecking order. Right. And it was funny because one, never forget, one person was like, oh, you got this by your husband's rank. And I laughed so hard. I'm like, he is an E3. Like, he just sneezed and got into the military. Like, chill. Slow your roll. The only job he's got or influence is over rocks, turning them over to see if they're sunburned. (laughs) (laughs) That's as far as it's gone for him. Yeah. So he was... He was security forces. So he was like that person that he could arrest somebody. That was cool. He did that a couple of times. But, you know, just being able to see where the spouses were, we were able to slowly bridge the gap between the enlisted and the officer's spouses. And we were actually able to do events and stuff together, which was amazing. And now, years later, they're one, they're actually one group. That's amazing to hear because, you know, and I was in the military forever ago. And I'm sure the family support groups and all that kind of stuff look completely different than they did when I was um, in the military. So mm-hmm. I would hope that that divide doesn't exist anymore because the situation is the same during separation and life circumstances. While they carry different jobs, they have equal weight on familial impact. Oh, 100%. Like... Part of the thing with Mama Squad is I want to help build a community like military spouses. Mm. As an example, I had two hand surgeries, one right before my son, before I got pregnant with my third, and one after I had him. I didn't cook. I didn't cook for almost a month. Mm. Now, you go fall down a flight of stairs here in the civilian world, no one gives a shit. No. They'll Facebook you. Oh, I hope you're okay. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Exactly. <laughs> I'm praying for you. Thanks. That's not helping me right now. Starving. Exactly. (laughs) I can't cook. Um, So it's things like that that I really noticed when my husband transitioned out of the military is there is nothing really in place for parents. And it kills me. It drives me nuts, especially being someone who dealt with postpartum depression on my own. I don't want someone else to feel that way. So we're building out an infrastructure, essentially, where... There are going to be ways for spouses to meet one another. There'll be events. There'll be different things so that each parent has a way to find other people that they connect with that are on the same level that will be there for them. Um, And that also comes from one of my best friends. Um, I actually met her at one of the military doctors. And our kids are about the same age. Like, no, they are. The older two are the same age. Um, And she was a single mom. Like, we, it was just meant to be. Like we had pancake breakfast at my house. She'd bring the pancake mix. Nice. Yeah, it was awesome. And, you know, if she fell on hard times, we we got them Christmas gifts one year. You know, it's just stuff like that that we need more of as parents in general. And as humans. As humans. As humans. I, I think that while you have chose the niche area that speaks the most to you, mm-hmm. I believe that your message speaks to all yes, people. Yes. And I mean, I won't go too in-depth because we're building stuff. And yeah, absolutely. Things, you know, that we're trying to make sure no one gets yeah, what we're doing. Ab- um, absolutely. You have to trademark things. You have to yes. take your time. I completely understand. I've been down that road with this show. <laughs> and intellectual property is a thing. Yeah. Um, you want to make sure that you're protecting your idea because what people forget is there is a larger group of people that sit in the wings that want to replicate good ideas for money. While the original idea might be for good or the original art or whatever it is, 
the moment that it hits that printing press and starts fucking replicating itself with somebody else's shit on it, it's tainted. Oh, 100%. It's garbage. Yeah. It's not being used for what it was originally intended. Mm-hmm. And that, that to me is where I, I get some frustration, right? Because, yeah, you have Facebook groups, but most of those Facebook groups, you're getting attacked by other like-minded individuals. I hate and Facebook. It's like, this is not how it should be. If someone's reaching out because they need help, help them. Don't tell them, oh, well, you're, you should be breastfeeding instead of formula feeding. I, you know, it's stuff like that, that it's like, mind your business. You're, we're failing. <laughs> right. We're failing each other. And that, that's huge. As humans, mm-hmm. moms, dads, everybody. Right. We're, we're failing each other because we're not empathizing with other people's situations. Because, and we're not giving back. Right. And I'm that person that, yeah, I'm going to stop and I'm going to give something to someone if they need it because that's who I am. Oh, my kids are like, well, mom, what are they going to use it for? I'm like, I don't know. It's not my business. But obviously, they needed something at that moment. Random acts of kindness. Yeah. You know, I've hugged random people before they needed it. It doesn't matter. You can tell. You can see things, you know. Stop outside of... I had an elderly lady sitting in her car one day outside of my therapist's office. She was in the passenger seat and she was crying. Mm-hmm. And instead of walking by, I stopped. I asked her if she needed a hug. Mm-hmm. She got out of the car, gave her a hug. I said, you don't have to tell me anything. I said, just know that you've got this. Yeah. And she was very appreciative, you know. Um, I feel like we're just avoiding empathy for some reason. I know. And it's people, I think it's because people don't understand the difference between sympathy and the difference between empathy. Mm. And they don't know how to apply it properly. And that is something that can only be learned. But you can try to teach somebody, but they have to learn it, not just hear it. Kind of requires rock bottom. Yes, exactly. They, um, there's a lot of writings on spiritual awakenings that people have throughout life yes. um, and different religious texts or non-religious texts and all that kind of stuff. But there's one that stands out as a lever that can start that path. And for some people, mm-hmm. or for some women, it's childbirth, oh, depending on how traumatic it is, mm-hmm. that it can it can start a completely different viewpoint of humanity mm-hmm. at going forward. I don't know how much of that is true. That's true. Absolutely. <laughs> We're going to take a break. One moment. She's going to come in behind you. I'm here. That's her voice, by the way. Okay. <laughs> our dogs have our, have a voice. People don't admit that out in public. 
Humans talk for their dogs constantly. Oh, I talk to my dog all the time. Respond for them, give them opinions of things in the room. What It's super weird how we do that. Which, by the way, speaking of animals, mm -hmm. obviously, you've now noticed that I love nature shows and I didn't realize it was still on behind me <laughs> in the TV up in the corner of the studio. I like to leave on like legit nature shows and I'm wondering if you've been seeing like a killer whale toss a seal while we're talking about <laughs> postpartum depression. <laughs> like, or some shit like that. Some violence behind me. <laughs> poor, some poor Impala getting eaten in half. And you're like, yeah, so, uh, but really had a rough one. <laughs> Not as rough as that seal, you know? <laughs> the seal up here being tossed around. <laughs> I wasn't paying that much attention. Okay, thank God. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, um... Luckily, that was not happening or I wasn't paying attention to it. One of the two. Yeah, everything's life changing. Right. So and as we were saying a moment ago, um, giving birth, mm -hmm. life changing event. Um, and for some like yourself, it appears that it started a journey for you. Oh, one hell of a journey. So um, my daughter decided she wanted to show the world her butt first. Ah, breach. Yes. That was one of those. Yeah. So I had to um, have a C-section. Now, I was that person. I was like, I want no medication. I just want to get this baby out of me. Well, that worked out for you. Yeah. Well, C-section. Yeah. Lots you of medication. You got your guts cut out, ripped, pulled to the side, and a child pulled out. Placed the table next to me. You know, it's like... You never want to see your guts. Like, that's <laughs> that's my goal in life, is to never see my guts. Right. <laughs> like, I prefer those be a mystery forever. Exactly. Like the most I want to see. I believe like, you. They're in there. They're doing stuff. Thanks, Doc. I'll I be back hear, for the next checkup. Right. I can hear my stomach grumbling every once in a while. I know it's still working. That's all we need. Um, But yeah, so when I, I was devastated. Now I had gained 85 pounds with her. Snickers ice cream. Stay away from it if you're pregnant. Like don't eat it every day. I love ice cream. So I was a waitress um, at Applebee's in Plant City. At the Applebee's in Plant City is what I should say. Um. The <laughs> this is this is a small town thing. If you're from a larger area, you're not familiar with the, how you describe the locations in a smaller place. It is the Applebee. It is it, there's an S added to a lot of this shit too. There's yeah. the WalMarts. Yeah, <laughs> there's but there's only one mm -hmm. in each area. Exactly. And Applebee's is a fancy night for a lot of people, oh, especially in itty bitty Plant City. Let me tell you. Mm. There were lots of interesting nights, lots of bar fights, you know, karaoke nights get real up in there. Who goes to Applebee's to sing Sugar Ray or some shit like that? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, there, there's some crazy stories there. But my regulars, when I was pregnant with my daughter, they knew like that was my jam. Like I loved Snickers ice cream and they'd bring it to me. Of course, because you're such a sweet person. And I'm like nine years pregnant. So of course, you know, why not? So that was definitely my downfall. But luckily we found out ahead of time that my daughter was breached because they thought she was just going to be too big for me to like push out. And that's when they found out she was butt first. So I was like, okay, well, this is happening. It's nothing like coming out moon in the world. Right. I'm I'm all about it. <laughs> <laughs> like this is, this is what I think of life already. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, which then, you know, with my son, my my second child, um, we were planning to do a VBAC. So I would have the vaginal birth versus the C-section. And he didn't want to come out. And I'm like, well, if he's not out by this date, 
go ahead and take him out so my husband has some time with him before he leaves. So that's what happened. My last one, well, he came out. He's like, I'm ready. Is Cinco de Mayo? I want to party. Like, get me out of here. Oh, he's a taco kid. Oh, yeah. I'm all about tacos. So yeah. I, I like him already. He came out like, all right, It's was it a Tuesday? I don't remember. Oh, I bet it was. It's possible. If it was, that's even more amazing. Cinco right? de Mayo. <laughs> I'll have to find out. <laughs> I'll have to. Um, but I always joke around. I'm like, he was born on the day that was meant for his personality. Like, he is just this busybody, full spirit. Like, I'm going to jump off the top of this playground. A lot of astrologists would uh, kind of agree with you. Ooh, man, he he's a lot, but he's also the kindest child I've ever met. Like, he's the definition of a sour patch. Like, they're sour sweet, and then they're gone. Like, he'll come up to you, he'll punch you in the leg, and he's like, I love you. And then he's gone. And you're like, what the just happened? Got a big tail running away with scissors. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Love you. <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> Looks great. And I'm like, this child's trying to stewie me. He's going to kill me. I don't know. He's <laughs> <laughs> trying to stewie me. This is true. <laughs> that's, an, that's a highly underrated show, by the way. It is. My it, daughter used to call it Baby Guy because we didn't have like real television when we were... <laughs> Netflix. We, we, that wasn't like affordable. Like we were using the internet from across the lake. Because we just couldn't afford Stellar. it. Yeah. I was working nights at Applebee's. My husband was working at a pawn shop. It just wasn't a thing. Definitely not. I've been there. I remember getting yelled at to go turn an antenna outside my house so we could get one of the three channels <laughs> that came in. Because there was no such thing as cable where we lived. Right. They couldn't even get it there. Yeah. And that's... It's funny when I look at where we were. Like, okay, we actually came really far from crying over kabasi to my fridge is never empty, which I love. It may be obsessive. It is obsessive, but it's fun. When you live on one side of that spectrum, it is hard mm -hmm. not to. We have lots of conversations around food um, in our home when it comes to, like, my wife was raised in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. Her parents did well for her. They had you know, all the name brand foods. They went out to eat all the time, that kind of stuff. And I grew up on Denton Bin cans and, you know, uh, Winn-Dixie and mm -hmm. everything super brand and all this kind of stuff. And it took me a while. She thought I was absolutely batshit crazy for the longest time because I just did not want generic shit. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm over it. It does not taste the same. I don't care what you say. Just because it's on sale, whatever it is, that's a lie. There's a reason why the first one is the first. It's the best. You can keep selling this to me, but and now I'm like, fucking whatever. But... <laughs> 100%. You know those giant bags of cereal you spilled? Oh, puffed wheat. Uh, no thanks. Puffed wheat. And it's like each piece of wheat has fennel on it or some shit <laughs> that you have to like pick out of your teeth. Right. So gross. All of a sudden, you have this weird twitch and you can't figure out what it's from. And you're like, oh, I shouldn't eat that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's it definitely, it's different, you know. And even my husband grew up a little bit different. Like, I mean, he got a go-kart when he was a kid. I'm like, what? I got to watch the kid on a go-kart. <laughs> right? I'm like, I lived in a, a decent neighborhood in Land Lakes, you know, growing up. And we had all kinds of neighborhood friends. Like some of them, we still keep in contact. Actually, after this, I'm probably going to go see one of them. You know, so it's, it's things like that, that um, it just sits differently for some people, right? Because they saw what they thought was a happy home, right? They didn't know that 90% of the time, I'm this 15-year-old girl with candles in her bedroom crying, writing into my dear daddy book because my dad had passed away my ninth grade year. 
no. You know, and it's just like, when I go outside, I'm happy. I'm good. It's life. Whatever. You know? And that's, I feel like, where I learned all of my coping abilities is around that time frame. Yeah. Unfortunately, I learned the wrong ways to cope with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I utilized whatever I thought people would like right. in every circumstance. And that's not a good way to navigate life. Yes, 100%. And I think that's where I gave up giving a crap what people thought about me. Mm. There's a lot to be said about not giving a crap. And that's without the whole like, there's two separate types of scenarios here. There is the people that truly don't care what other people think of them because they love themselves. And then there's this group I'd like to call over here, keeping it 100. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. I don't care. <laughs> it's the stupidest thing ever. You're not. You're actually just trying to make that a mask. It's called the 100 mask. You think if you say keeping it 100 over and over again means everybody's going to believe that you're being 100% authentic. When in fact, it's probably a bigger mask to hide the fact that you're fucking crying behind it, laying on the ground. You described what people saw standing in front of your home, not realizing what was going on behind it. My analogy in this situation is, I believe every home is a country Western set from the 50s. And that behind that, front. People are laying on the ground, crying their eyes out until they go out the front door with makeup and clothes on and all this stuff ready to take on the day. You know, nobody can know that I'm on my knees back here. Right. And I don't know if you've, if anyone's ever seen some of my videos that I've done in recent times, but I try to be authentic shit. Like, man, I'm not going to wear makeup every single time I'm doing a video. I don't have time for that. I have three children. I work full time and I'm trying to launch this business and study real estate. Like, I just don't have time to make myself like fabulous all the time. Be happy with what you get, friends. But that's the (laughs) thing. What's wrong with what you get? Isn't that the real thing? Right. Like, I don't want, I have a, I have an aversion to makeup now. And it happened during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. I, I started seeing women for who they were without it because so many people were not wearing makeup mm-hmm. that it made it what? Oh my God. Riley. Taking <laughs> her bed. Studio mascot Riley is over here trying to uh come to fluff something that can't be fluffed. <laughs> She'll try to fluff a carpet. Oh, I've seen my my plot. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, I forgot what I was even saying. Thanks, Riley. Um <laughs> You're talking about COVID and women. Yeah, yeah, so it, I talk about makeup all the time in this, um, but I, I feel like that's a mask too. Yeah. Right? Um, I don't think it's necessary. If it's there because you enjoy doing it, that's a whole different story. Right. But if it's there to replace something... Uh... And I feel like I can blame society on that. You sure can. 100%. Like, if you don't have the perfect skin or anything, well, you better wear makeup, so... And it's like, no, that's not how it is. Like, you are perfectly you, and that's how it should be. If they can't accept you for that, then they should not have a spot in your life. We just need to teach our children or our youth that anybody that doesn't accept them for who they are is somebody that they just don't have to associate. Oh, 100%. And I'm very clear about that with my my daughter. But they have to do it without malice and understand that that person is not, or is it a place in their journey in life? that is not congruent with yours. You may come across them 10 years from now, not recognize them, and they're a completely different human that you need in your life. 
that they need you. Mm-hmm. But in that moment, 10 years ago, all you recognize is a piece of shit or whatever it was that did not mesh with you. But just respect that. Let it go. Let it be itself. Mm-hmm. And don't take it on as your reality. Don't let shitty people or shitty things rent space. They don't even rent space. They fucking squat. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> who? For Americans that say, you're not going to fucking do shit to me. You can't tell me what to do. We sure do walk around with a lot of people squatting in our fucking heads. Mm, 100%. <laughs> like, my, my head looks like one of those, like... um post-apocalyptic apartment <laughs> buildings where you're looking up and it's like 10,000 stories high and fifth element. And those are all the shit in my head. Right, right. I always say that my my head is like a bunch of burning filing cabinets at this point. Nice. It's just everywhere. And it's, I I had worked for the state attorney for a little while and I was filing felony cases for the Oof. state attorney. Now that I'm buried some shit. Let me tell you. That'll that'll really touch some core wounds or... Create them. It'll create them. So I did that for about a year. And it was fine. It, I was super busy all the time, which is what I needed. Um, it was my first job after almost seven years of being a stay-at-home mom. And mm. I looked at my husband one day and I said, I can't do this. Like, I need help. Like, I realized all of the shit I buried is coming right back up. How did, it feel that, how did it feel to... Admit that. It was really hard, especially being the one person who's always like, I don't need anybody. I can do this myself. How about after? I've become a lot more self-conscious of my own emotions. Any relief? Yes. And making that admittance that we're powerless over our mental health and that Mm -hmm. it's something that we have to learn to live with alongside of. Right. I'll admit that. Exactly. Mental illness doesn't go away. It just becomes your roommate. And you just start to fucking hang out together and you realize that it's not always telling you the truth. Mm-hmm. And I realized a lot of it, I was tiptoeing around. And I didn't realize that's what I was freaking doing. Mm-hmm. And so my therapist was like, this is what's happening. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. I should have done this a while ago. But when you're dealing, like she even told me, my postpartum depression is also an underlining side effect of everything that I was dealing with because I buried that shit for so long. Uh, it's all one thing. Exactly. It can't not be. We don't fragment and stay fragmented. No. We invent the fragments. The fragments don't even actually exist. They're just really like spider webs. Mm-hmm. We fragment ourselves with spider webs when everybody can just rip them down. Yeah. They, may, they serve no purpose but to fuck up your mind. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when I look at my kids, I refuse to talk to them in a way that makes them feel small. Like, my daughter wants to be an astronaut. I'm like, all right, let's go watch some rockets launch. What what can I do to help you with your arithmetic? What can I help you do to better yourself? Let me tell you, I don't want to be up at no 5 a.m. every freaking morning. No, who wants to watch a stinky rocket after the fifth time? It's not impressive anymore. No. Unless that thing starts skywriting or some shit on the way up <laughs> or does some other stuff. Like, I needed to have, like, some bonus shit. We start yeah. fucking shitting rainbows, doing something <laughs> to entertain me on its way up there because you can only watch so many bottle rockets before it's fucking old. Exactly. That, and it's also <laughs> like, my daughter loves cross country. Like that is her jam. Like she just beat her personal record at 14 minutes, 38 seconds, running at 3K. She's 12. Um, and then you have my 10-year-old who's on a competition soccer team. And instead of me just being like, I don't have time for this, I make the time. You know, like my husband, I may rotate who's sitting at soccer practice or who's at what 
game because some of these cross-country places, we went to Ocala last weekend. Yeah, they're they're not done in a suburban neighborhood. It's cross-country. I literally feel like that every... And I have to work on Sundays. So it's ridiculous some days. But mm. it 100% makes it worth it. Because when I when my daughter finished that race, she came up to me and gave me the biggest freaking hug that she's given in like years because she's 12 and she doesn't want anyone to touch her, you know? Um, <laughs> don't look at me, don't touch me. Um, so that, it's moments like that that make me realize, okay, I didn't break my daughter when I was 19 and had no idea what the hell I was doing. Like, she's... You, you can't. Right. But you can break their mental health. You can fuck them up. Yeah. Just like you were fucked up over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. But they're already fucked up just because by way of birth, <laughs> and entering this world, you're already fucked up mm-hmm. because you didn't ask to be born. Right, right. And when I see other parents in public talking down to their children or just, oh God, it just, it irks me. Like I want to take them and shake them and be like, do you know what you're doing to your child? And no, you can't do that in public. You know, that probably goes to jail. Well, they don't know. Exactly. Because they probably you're have not the gonna, same thing. You're not going to be their aha moment either. uh uh-huh. Not in that moment. And that's what I had to do myself was come to the realization that I'm not here to give people their aha moments when I think I should. Right. That's not my business. Mm-hmm. If it's someone's moment to be had with me, it'll happen on its own. Right. If not, I can observe it. I can protect people in a scenario, but I'm not going to convince somebody to vote for a different president in an argument standing in publics. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm, I'm saying that as a change of mind, yeah. a change of anything. You don't change anybody's belief system by screaming in their face. Oh, no. And it's all about their approach. I mean, my daughter's coach can be a little tough. That's just how it is. But I'm able to talk to my daughter and be like, okay, so what did you get out of what he just said? What can I do to help you understand the way he worded or the way he said it? Because sometimes saying run faster is just not enough, right? It's okay, let me show you how you can run faster. And I can explain it to her. Um, it may mean I have to study on it because I haven't ran in years and that's how care. it is. Exactly. It's her interest though. What I heard throughout you saying this is what they loved doing. Not I feel like there's a subsect of parents that force children into activities just for activity's sake or the fact that they did said activity or whatever it might be. And they try to take that square peg and kick it into a round hole for 18 years and just build nothing but resentment. Right. And I refuse to be that parent. Now, like my son, he loves soccer. My husband made a fed into that a little bit with his love of soccer. But now we go watch the Rowdies game as much as we possibly can. And, and he is like... Soccer's oh, a good group of people. It is. Like you get a lot less judgmental scenarios in soccer. I feel like soccer and kickball. <laughs> people are no, that's the hipster. Yeah, I was gonna community. say kickball, maybe, maybe not. Um, but it just it gives him a sense of meaning. I feel like, and that to me is important. Self confidence, exactly. Yeah, he'll he'll compare himself to like Ronaldo and stuff, and I'm like, <laughs> I love you. You're gonna get there, sweetie. I promise. Just keep working. You'll be your version of Ronaldo. You are Ronaldo. Exactly. You're just your own version of it. You don't have to be somebody else. Exactly. Do you have anything coming up that you want to let everybody know about so that they can, you know, reach out to you or stay in tune with everything that you've got going on? Right. So we're working on um, 
building out a platform for parents. So that might take a few more months to finish. Um, I just redid my online store, which I relaunched. Um, And then I'm also going to start doing some events here locally um, within the Tampa area. Excellent. Once I've figured out a good time. Let us know. Yeah. We'd love to hear about it. Um, We want to help out in a way that we can. Uh, I appreciate you coming in here and sharing, you know, what you've gone through. There's strength and vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And I think that we continue to show that. I appreciate you for sharing the difficult piece, the things that people don't want to hear or that Mm -hmm. they pretend doesn't exist. Every time we stand up and advocate for the disenfranchised or the meek or somebody in a situation that is less than fortunate, um, we give them a path to follow. We give them someone to look to. And Mm -hmm. I feel like you're doing that for other mothers, parents, and people. You know, we, we like to focus on smaller groups. Um, but I, I really hope that people that do listen to this do recognize that it applies to all walks. Yeah, I agree. And I appreciate the fact that I got to come on here and do this. There's a lot that's going to be happening, you know, and there's a lot that happens in the world. And the mindset is always going to be the biggest thing. We always believe this is the biggest thing, but it's not. No, because we're creating. Yeah. We don't realize that you can't. Not there's always going to be the biggest thing because you're always trying to make the biggest thing, and we're the only thing making things. Exactly. Like <laughs> we're not going to stop. So, ergo, you're just going to get bigger shit. Exactly. So stop being impressed with stupid shit and just be impressed with the fact that we exist. Right. We're human. We're here. We're going. And we're moving forward. And that's if that's the only thing that someone takes away from this is move forward and never give up on yourself because. You need to be your own biggest thing. The difference between success and failure is action. Exactly. I appreciate you. And remember, everybody, be cool and keep learning. What's up, academics? This is Jay. I'm here to talk to you about Into the AM. This is a clothing and apparel company that I came across last year that has the absolute coolest designs. And the reason why I was attracted to it is because I grew up without a lot of money, like many others, and had to shop on that outlet rack with the irregular items, things like the fly was over four inches to the left, or the right sleeve would be twice the size of the left. It looked like I was growing horizontally. Like, it's okay, honey, you'll grow into your left arm. So you really don't get a chance to express yourself the way that you want to. You go into life, you start putting on suits, you start putting on uniforms, and you realize you'd never had a chance to truly express yourself. Enter into the AM, a team of artists and creators who share a common vision. They see clothing as a canvas to express what drives you. Since 2012, they've developed premium apparel that elevates self-expression and provides unparalleled comfort for wherever your passions take you. Into the AM's passion for change is the driving force behind their brand. They remain committed to creating products that inspire and promote self-expression, by partnering with like-minded organizations focused on giving back to communities in need. Last year, they donated 1% of all revenue from their graphic tees collection to the Art of Elysium charity. The Art of Elysium is an artist organization built on the idea that through service, art becomes a catalyst for social change. For over 24 years, the Art of Elysium has paired volunteer artists with communities to support individuals in the midst of difficult emotional life changes. They currently offer 110 community programs per month, 
serving over 30,000 individuals per year. The only permanent thing in life is change. Supporting charities dedicated to helping those going through these changes, trials, and tribulations require a never-ending commitment. The onus is on us as creators to affect change through our true, authentic talents, and Into the AM is the model of how this is done. Their clothes are handcrafted with care. They have a team of skilled artisans that craft each garment with the highest quality fabrics and eco-friendly inks. Not to mention, these things don't shrink, they don't fade, and they fit as if they were designed supernaturally. I'm stopped every time I wear one of the graphic tees to find out where I got it. The colors attract attention from miles, and the art is nothing short of spectacular, with designs for everyone. One of my personal favorites, Twilight Maiden. Go take a look. Into the AM does all of this while putting their money where their mouth is. 30-day money-back guarantee, lightning-fast shipping, and hassle-free returns. The deals are endless. Graphic tee bundles, discount promo codes. Get over there. Check it out. I'm highlighting the tees, but I'd be remiss to not mention that if you want to walk around in the absolute most comfortable shorts, joggers, and basic tees, hit up into the end. I even wear the basics to the gym. Head on over to thetragedyacademy.com, go to our sponsors tab, and follow the affiliate link to the Into the AM store. Help support Into the AM and the Tragedy Academy by purchasing the absolute best apparel and the best designs ever. And remember, academics, be cool and keep learning.